You are listening to Lions Unchained, the podcast where the lion within you is unleashed and the truth will set you free. Join Carl Joseph right now for a life-changing word where no topic is off the table. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Today, friend, I'd like to inform you that you've been delivered. Delivered from what, you might ask? Well, as a Christian, you've been delivered from five things. So I want to make sure that you're aware of them today from God's Word. It is imperative that you are cognizant of what Christ has won for you on the cross. And consequently, you may enjoy the liberty and the freedom that he paid for in these five key areas. I will spend some time going through each one of them with scriptural examples after I list them for you right now. Do you have a pen and paper? Get ready. Number one, you've been delivered from this present evil age. Number two, you've been delivered from the law. Number three, delivered from self. Number four, delivered from the flesh. And five, and finally, you've been delivered from this present world, or better still, the world system. That is the cosmos. Now let's go through each one of these individually. Number one, you have been delivered from this present evil age. Don't take my word for it. Let's read Galatians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and of our Father. Now, the Greek word used for world here is aeon, meaning a period of time or stage of history. Some contend that the time period of this deliverance is undetermined because it's dependent upon us believers sharing the gospel. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14. He said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This should motivate us to share the gospel with others because once the gospel has been preached to all nations, Christ is coming back. Yes, friend, we have a part to play in the final outcome of these end times. We, the church, have the power to end this age and it's in our hands. As soon as the mandate of preaching the gospel to all nations and every tongue reaches the saturation point declared by Jesus himself, then the age will draw to a close. Now, time in Scripture is measured in ages and generations in the Jewish tradition. If the generation fell into unbelief, then it wasn't even counted as far as the Jews were concerned. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, Satan is the god of this world, but that word world is aeon. So effectively, Satan is the god of this time frame or age. But we know his time is running out quickly, and by preaching the gospel, we can draw his time to a close. Number two, deliverance from the law. Well, what do you mean we've been delivered from the law? By the phrase under the law or subject to the law, we mean seeking right standing with God by observing a system of laws. We do not mean to suggest that we no longer obey any laws whatsoever. That's not what I'm saying. For example, the Ten Commandments are as pertinent today as they ever were. But friend, don't be paranoid about obeying or disobeying any of those commandments. Can I let you into a secret? If you follow the promptings and convictions of the Holy Spirit, you cannot but help follow God's commands, which are to love Him and love other people by default. If you are led by the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's that easy. You have God's GPS system inside of you, guiding you at each and every step. Now, when we drive our cars, we drive by traffic laws that are set in place, of course. You can't say to the officer, I was driving the speed limit that I just felt was right at the time. Eh, wrong answer. We drive by the law, we don't drive by faith. 
To be delivered from the law in this context, the context of what I'm talking about, means that someone else fulfilled the requirements of the law for you. And that man, my friend, was Jesus Christ. Because he fulfilled the law without fault, we glean all the benefits of his endeavors. I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continues not in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. You see, once you commit yourself to keeping the law as a means of achieving righteousness, you must keep the whole law all the time. And this, my friend, is simply impossible. Impossible except for Jesus. Only one man ever did it, and that was Christ. He did it successfully. But if one attempts today to keep the law, pride will overcome him. Even more, the person who is not able to uphold all the words of the law actually falls under a curse, as the scripture attests in Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. So we have two options. We can live under the law, and if you break one of these laws, then you come under a curse. Or, and the one that I recommend, simply live by faith, as the scripture attests. Did you know that there were 613 laws given by God to Moses in the first five books of the Bible? And Orthodox Jews today can only keep about 32 of these laws at best. The law, my friend, was meant to fail. It was the schoolmaster that led us to the fact that we need a savior. What does living by faith mean exactly? It means following the unction of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you from day to day. If you obey the Holy Spirit, then you will live by faith. Think of the law as a map and the Holy Spirit as a tour guide. Maps are useful, but it's much better to have the tour guide living on the inside of us who knows the terrain intimately. Listen to that tour guide, my friend, and you will never slip up. Point number three, deliverance from self. Galatians 2.20, and I read, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We must be delivered from ourselves, friend. We live in the selfie generation. Me, me, me. It's all about me. What about Bob? <laughs> Forget Bob. It's about me. Some people's favorite worship song goes like this. It's all about me. Oh, Jesus, it's all about me. Forgive me there for singing, but listen to this statement. I didn't say this. Self-centered people with problems become the slaves of their problems. The more they keep focusing on themselves and their problems, the more they become enslaved to themselves. Ouch. There is a price to pay in serving Christ, and that price is mentioned in the book of Matthew. I'm quoting from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus said you cannot follow him until you've done two things. Number one, denied yourself, and number two, taken up your cross. Friend, taking up the cross by definition means seeking the Father's will above your own in all decision making. Sometimes that might be uncomfortable for sure. The cross is the place where your will and God's will intersect. It is the place of submission, the place where you die. Number four, deliverance from the flesh. 
Now, when I say I've been delivered from the flesh, that is not entirely a true statement on the surface. The flesh is ever-present, and we reside with the flesh as long as we have a physical body. It will be with us until we die, obviously. The wretched and decaying body is the source of our battle as the flesh lusts against the Holy Spirit, and this is the war that rages within us. However, due to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we now have the capacity to choose to serve Him rather than the flesh. It has now become a decision as to whom we will serve. Whereas before Christ, your spirit man was dead, and you were dead in trespasses, and a slave to your flesh. Christ has now equipped you to overcome the flesh. Praise God. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Those who are Christ's have made a decision to crucify the flesh, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to do so. The flesh can be interpreted as the way of the old man before you were saved. The thoughts, the feelings, the passions that you had before you met Jesus. With the presence of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, I tell you now, you will never be comfortable returning to your old ways because the Holy Spirit will convict you. His never-ending love is a restrainer in your life, a restrainer of fleshy works. He will never leave you nor forsake you. All you have to do is submit to his promptings, whether it be the still small voice on the inside or the inner witness. Number five, you've been delivered from the world, or better still, from the world system, the cosmos. Galatians 6.14 says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Friend, you should be crucified to this world. If you're a younger person listening to me right now, going out partying, getting drunk, losing your witness for Jesus, you're never going to feel good about it. You don't need to see how close you can get to this world without getting burned. It is not something you should be doing. You need to repent. Friend, there are no secret agents. There are no double O's in the kingdom of God. We are not undercover brothers. We are the salt of the earth and we let our light shine. Remember what I said before, the word world can be either aeon or cosmos in the Greek language. Aeon has to do with time, but cosmos, in contrast, is the sociological order of the world, or the world system, from which you have been delivered. I'm in this world, but I am not of this world, and neither are you. Many people want to be in the kingdom of God, but they reject the king. Friends, we as Christians are in a theocracy. We do what the king says. Coming from the United Kingdom, maybe I know that a little bit better. But we are not in a democracy in the kingdom of God. We don't get together and vote on whether or not should obey what Jesus said. We do it. We need to submit to his authority. Let's read from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. This is a warning from the Apostle John. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And check this out, verse 17. And the world passes away and the lusts thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Notice, friend, that there is a lust, a lust that is tied to this world. It can never be satisfied. Some people try and fulfill those lusts continuously, but deep down, there is no contentment. The Rolling Stones talked about it. Ah, where are they sang about it? I can't get no satisfaction. Friend, there is no satisfaction in the world. The only satisfaction can be found in Christ because he put a hole in your heart that only he can fill. The world is lusting and we are prone to lust because of our fleshy nature being drawn to it like a magnet.
the desire to keep up with the Joneses, to buy the latest fashions, to go shopping every weekend and drain our bank account to give us some temporary pleasure are all other means of trying to fulfill this lust. But friend, all these efforts are futile. We don't want to be controlled by these lusts and passions of this world. They are all temporal. They are brief. They are fleeting. They are all passing away. We also know that this world system lies under wickedness. It talks about that in 1 John also. Friend, let me read right now from 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness. Friend, this is not a hologram. Evil exists. It is real. It is pervasive. The social order, the cosmos, will hate those who do not follow after it. And this is where persecution begins for the Christian, my friend. Taking a stand for Jesus always results in persecution of some form. There are some in the halls of leadership who would desire to create a one-world system of government which is bringing this cosmos into manifestation. By default, those ruling elite hate anyone who oppresses their system of government, and we friends, according to Scripture, are in that category. Even now, we are in the early stages of the formulation of a new world order that will rise up against Christ himself when he returns. Friend, these are exciting times to live in. More about that on another broadcast. Until tomorrow, good night, God bless, and remember to spread the good news. You have been listening to Carl Joseph in the Lions Unchained podcast. Every week, new episodes are uploaded. So stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out our website at carljosephministries.com for exciting articles and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button.